Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, welcome back to the best new podcast, Ain't Hard to Tell Podcast, episode 12. I never thought we would make it this far. Yeah, but we did make it this far. You sound real angry today, man. <laughs> I'm good. You're good. I'm Apparently, good. I look like Joe Budden. Yeah, that's, that's, been, the, that's been the word, and that was a word uh, yeah, before we started this podcast. Except you are pretty much wearing the exact same outfit that he had on on the most recent episode of Everyday Struggle. For those who haven't seen it. And let's just get it twisted. I am not DJ Academics. I do not move that way. Um, what does that mean? <laughs> First of all. You can take that however you want to take Wait, it. Wait, you and the desk are Grenadian. Yes, we have that in so, common. You know, I'm, I happen to be next to Grenadian. That's, well. that's all that's in common with that show. No disrespect to the show. We like the show. Uh, much respect, but you do. I watch it every day. You do every. <laughs> I don't get to watch every day, but you. It's not an everyday struggle for you to watch everyday struggle every yeah. day. There you go. There you go. Ain't hard to tell that I like everyday struggle. There you go. Oh, oh. nice plug. There you go. There you go. Um, so yeah, we're we're back. Uh, we're here. A lot a lot to talk about. And right before we recorded this podcast, uh, we heard some NBA news, and we saw. A guy who was on the trading block. Feels like he's been on the trading block forever. He's free. He is free. Yes. He trusted the process. The process <laughs> came. It has begun. And now he's free of the process. That's Jaleel Okafor. And he is on his way to a team. Uh, Brian and I both covered that. Is the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. Uh, Jaleel Okafor and Nick Stauskas were sent to Brooklyn uh, for Trevor Booker. And the Nets also received the second-round pick, 2019 pick, which the Sixers had received from the Knicks in the Willie Herman Gomez trade uh, on draft night a few years ago. Uh, I guess the quick reaction is, what are your thoughts on the trade? I really sometimes hate getting into who won the trade, lost the trade thing real quick. I've spoken on that before. But I do think that this is an interesting trade that Jalil is finally free. And um, he should get some playing time and opportunity in Brooklyn. It's good for both teams. I think I want to start off by saying that. Here's why it makes sense for both teams. And I don't want to get too sporty here, but I'm probably going to get too sporty here, but whatever. Sporty. (laughs) So we have Trevor Booker, who's in a contract year, just had his best season last year. And he, uh, you know, was somebody who really, really contributed to the Nets culture on and off the court, produced, had big time games even recently. But him being in a contract year, him being a valuable asset makes him attractive to other teams. Philadelphia has been wanting to get rid of Jaleel Okafor for a long time, as we know. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had a big rookie season, then he slowed down tremendously, had a bunch of other issues, and then they decided, <clears throat> they just decided, excuse me, to stop playing him. Then you've got Nick Stauskas, who is going to be in net now. Uh, <laughs> That's the best thing you had to say about Nick Stauskas? <laughs> It's like, you have Nick Stauskas, he's I'm running, be in that. I'm running through it. I'm running through it. But you have Nick Stauskas also in a contract year. Um, 
be honest with you, I haven't seen much of him since he was in Michigan. <laughs> so, so he's going to be in that now. <laughs> so, um, but I know he can shoot. He did at Michigan. <laughs> I know his, his numbers aren't haven't been that great. I mean, but no, he's a serviceable player. Yeah, I mean, that's what I – he almost seems like a throw-in. But, again, if you're the Nets, you can't really complain much. You also get a second-round pick out of that, too, which for Philly is – it's nothing because they have a bunch of draft picks. Even still, they're still trusting the process, as we know. But for the Nets, you get Jaleel Okafor. I see it as a low-risk, high-reward deal. The reason I say that is because, yes, he's in a contract year, but – he also is somebody who was in that same draft as one D'Angelo Russell and Rondé Hollis Jefferson, by the way. Uh, so now the Nets have the same, the two of the top two three and, picks yeah, from number, that draft. Number class. two and number three. Uh, they have the two guys who were also supposed to be very good, like a Porzingis, like a Carl Anthony Towns, but haven't quite panned out to that level yet. We saw D'Angelo moving towards that. Yeah. And we saw G- uh, Jaleel Okafor being that his first season and his regress. But. This is, again, another move by Sean Marks trying I'm to not, get the most think, out of a bad situation. Uh, you know, Jaleel Okafor being in a bad situation previously. Yeah, I think it's a low-risk trade for the Nets. I'm not sure Jaleel Okafor has regressed uh, that narrative the way people say it. Or it's just more of a fact that his game doesn't currently fit mm. the modern NBA where the NBA is treading. He's a big that is good in the low post offensively, yeah. but not good defensively. He's not good defensively. And so where do you play that guy? He's kind of limited in that. Trevor Booker actually is probably a better defensive player than him, even though their games are very similar offensively. But that's what I want to ask you. Yeah. Do you think that's a, like, does that concern you as far as, because you know the Nets like to pick up the pace, you know the Nets like to move the ball and play quickly on offense. And then you have a back-to-the-basket center who is not out here shooting threes necessarily and things here's, like that. Here's what it comes down to me for the Nets for the rest of the season with Okafor. Can you get him to expand his game a little bit more? Like Can you get? Yeah. I'm not saying you got to get him out to the three-point line. That's probably not going to happen this season. Kenny will try. You, I, you should. <laughs> but Jared you should. Allen is out here shooting it's, threes it's, now. It's not a bad thing to try to take your young bigs and see if they can shoot and shoot more. And if – if Okafor is willing to do that, and he sounded like he was hungry and wants to play mm-hmm. and will try to make adjustments to this game, it's going to be fine. But here's another thing that he's going to have to do with Kenny Atkinson. If he wants to play, he's got to start bringing on defensive end. He doesn't <laughs> look like he can guard you or me right now. He's going to have to start doing that. Yeah, well, Kenny Atkinson, yeah. I mean, he's going to play him only if he can play defense. If he's going to be a defensive liability, uh, you know, he's not going to see time out there on the floor. Nah. But I feel like they're going to ease him in. They're not going to throw him in right away. But, like, right now, at the time we're recording this, the Nets are in Mexico, and they're going to be there for two games, uh, one tonight, the night we're recording this, and then in two nights from now. Then next week, I'm going to be at that Nets-Wizards game. We'll probably be at the Nets-Knicks game as well. Yep, I should be in the building for that. We'll probably see Jaleel Okafor's debut, uh, it, you know, if it's at that time. So it'll probably, it'll probably, I would assume it would be against the Wizards. I'm curious to see how, just how it all plays out and how it starts. Not just how it plays yeah. out, but how it starts. Because this is somebody who you should probably just ease him in. And I think Kenny Atkinson's going to do that. He's one to do that, probably get eight, 12 minutes, whatever, right away. Then if we see him produce, you'll see him eventually just play more and more. I don't know how much I'm expecting of him this season because it's kind of like, hey, you want to like gradually ease him in and wait for that development. But at the same time, he's also in a contract year. So I think he's in a situation where it's interesting because he needs to show enough 
so then the Nets could, you know, potentially make that long-term commitment. And I think he's going to have the opportunities to show that. It's just really about what he does with those opportunities. If he does nothing with the opportunities, then it's on him. Yeah. That's why, like you said, it's a great low-risk uh, situation um, for the Nets. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of other good things going on in the NBA. We talked about narratives. People changing the narratives. A couple weeks ago, oh, what are the Cavs going to do? Cavs are oh, in God. trouble. I don't know <laughs> if they're going to make the playoffs. LeBron is done. Got to break <laughs> up the team. Blah, 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 blah. It's so funny how these narratives change so quick in the NBA. Everybody acts like they know everything. And then, boom. And look. The, a couple weeks ago, we were talking about the Jazz, and the Jazz was struggling. And then they won six in a row before they lost to OKC the <laughs> other night. So it's interesting. People really like to, you know, rump, jump on different waves and get all out of sorts. And our producer, Matt Feniza, he was kind of like, yo, we're, we're, we're going to be all right. Word to Kendrick. He's like, we're going to be okay. We're going to be all right. And the Jazz have been more than okay. I've watched a couple, about three of their last six games during this week I got to watch. They've been okay. But back to the Cavs. I'll throw this to you. I'm not surprised at what the Cavs have done and turned it around. I still don't think they can beat the Warriors right now, but I'm not surprised at what they've been doing winning 13 in a row. Are you surprised? No. Nah. Uh, for the same reasons that you're not surprised. I mean, and let's remember, I kept saying this too in our earlier NBA conversations, Isaiah Thomas is going to be here eventually. And I saw, actually, I saw a funny quote where LeBron James was talking about how he's, he's been playing a lot of 2K trying to mix and match different things to see how they could play when Isaiah Thomas gets back. They're going to be dangerous, dangerous. They're going to be the Cavs. They're going to be the Cavs that they've been since LeBron's been there. Uh, and they're going to lose to the Warriors in four or five games in the NBA Finals. Like, that's just kind of how this is going to go. Unless, you know, Steph Curry starts, you know, rolling his ankles again. And then, you know, that maybe it'll be a six-game series. But we'll see. I mean, I, I like what I'm seeing from Cleveland. They've been really fun to watch. And LeBron is... <laughs> It's weird because you think he's at the tail end of his prime, but I mean he looks great. He's playing. He's playing at MVP level. He's still in his prime. Are we, are we say, yeah, we're still yeah. saying he's I'm in his prime, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's going to be he's going to be 33 years old, December 30th, uh, same day that Tiger Woods will turn 40, whatever he is. Interesting that they have the same birthdays. It is interesting. <laughs> Tiger. Uh, well, that's 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 all in the story. But yeah, no. <laughs> teams teams are teams are surprising. Um, oh no! One thing we didn't get to talk about in the last podcast, we did not get to touch on that happened in the NBA was the firing of uh, Coach Fisdale oh, yeah. with the Memphis Grizzlies. Yeah. We did not talk about this. this. Is a young coach in his second year, um, well respected around the lead. A lot of young players liked him, but he was beefing with his star player. Mm -hmm. And what that firing said to me is. We know who's got the power in Memphis, okay? <laughs> we know exactly who's got the power in Memphis, and it wasn't Coach Fisdale. It's Marcus All. Marcus All wasn't feeling him. He didn't like that he got benched. And next thing you know, what? Was it the next day? It was the next day. Yeah, yeah. Bye. It was after they played the Nets, I believe. Yeah. Bye. And mm -hmm. I'm like, this is a real. I, I really. I mean, I don't think he'll have a problem getting another job. I really don't think so. But Memphis has a poor track record. You didn't bring back Lionel Hollins, who was a good coach. They did nothing but turn that franchise around. Yeah. Dave Yeager left because he couldn't deal with management. <laughs> right? And now, Fisdale is gone. Those are, what's that, three coaches yeah. in four, five, four, four, four or five years? Four, four and a half years? Yeah. <clears throat> I'm making the Knicks look good. <laughs> like, that's, I mean, you're whenever making, you, you can make, make the when Knicks, you can make Knicks management look good. There you go. And I can say that because I'm a Knicks fan. When you can make Knicks management look good, because the Knicks have been incompetent for a long 
time. Or as my cousin Marley will say, dysfunctional. Absolutely dysfunctional. And come on, what's Memphis is just a bad situation. I don't know what they're going to do as far as coaching. J.B. Bickerstaff is not the answer. They didn't even keep him in Houston. I don't know where, they, where their team goes. I think they start making some trades. Yeah, I was going to say, what happens with Mike Conley now? You know what I mean? Somebody well, that, like that. Well, that's another thing. You, they, you, they talked about the stretch that Memphis was on. They fired the coach when they lost, was it seven or eight in a row? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was eight in a row. Seven of those games were without Mike Conley. Well, if you look at that team, what do you expect? I just watched that team play the Knicks last night. They have no ball handling when Conley's off the floor. You have Tyreek Evans, mm. and you have no outside shooting. They are an offensively challenged team. Without Mike Conley, that team has no shot. And Tyreek Evans, by the way, well, with Mike Conley, they don't have a shot either because Golden State. Well, when I said shot, conference. I meant shot at the, I meant <laughs> shot at the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. That's but, what I meant. But with Mike Conley, even with Mike Conley, I mean, it is what it is. But for Memphis, Tyreek Evans has also become one of their best players. And I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing in terms of like Tyreek. I mean, it's good for Tyreek Evans. It's great for Tyreek hey. Evans because he's playing a lot better. He's shooting very good percentage from three now. But, I mean, if that's one of the dudes you're leaning on, and what does that tell you about the rest of your roster? And remember, another thing that hurt mm. Memphis was their veterans leaving. Both Zach Randolph and uh, Vince Carter leaving. Yeah, but was, I feel like hurts them not on the court as much as it does like in the from locker. a leadership standpoint. Yeah. That's probably some of what we're seeing kind of transpire here. I agree with that, but it was time for those guys to go. And I think it's time for them. And maybe it's a year too early, but they got to start thinking about trading Marcus Hall. You know, the grindhouse era, it's over. I think sometimes teams need to know when to break it down, when to blow it up. Uh, another team I'll just talk real quick before we go to break about that is the Clippers. You know, they're in free fall standing. Uh, I think it's time for them to probably trade DeAndre Jordan. I think where DeAndre Jordan could go could be very interesting at the deadline. Brooklyn. He could go to – that's not happening. Um, <laughs> that's not happening. I think we could see him go to our uh, assistant producer, Matthew. Uh, his Wizards. I think see, I could see him go there. He just gave, he just threw up his hand. You got nothing to say he's about. Like, you got like, nothing no, to say about. Want, there's a mic the right here. You don't want to the Wizards. You got nothing to say about your Wizards. You don't want to the Wizards. He could. I. I'll accept him. Like I don't. I'm not. Y'all are funny when you come on the mic, man. Y'all are funny. Only I'm not a big DeAndre Jordan fan. Neither am I. I I think he's. Overrated. Can you so, beat DeAndre Jordan in a free throw shooting contest? Probably. I put my money on Matthew, P- yeah. Maddie, Maddie P. Yeah, like he's not a good backcourt asset to the Wizards. Like they, they can get anyone else. Well, front court, yeah. Front court, but yeah. yeah. Front court, you're right. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm Your backcourt is set. You guys are good there. No, I know, but like I don't want DeAndre. So Jordan. no to DeAndre. <laughs> he's a waste. He'll be a waste of money. Yo, why are you getting mad at us? Thank you very much, Matt. Matt, 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 Matt yeah. you have to use hot jazz hoodie. I'm not yeah. letting. I'm not letting you slide today. Yeah. I yeah. Want, how I how want, you feeling, man? Six yeah. seven. Oh, we got. Uh, oh, okay. Dexter just pooped on your team. How? I'd say the other one. How you know, he pooped on my team. I didn't do anything. I'm just starting problems. Remember, I'm Joe Budden today. Yeah, because you are so Joe Budden. So let's go. What, what? Check the pod. So what do you want to know about my Utah Jazz? I want to know how you feeling. Six out of seven now. I mean, I'm surprised. No oh, more take at- note. It's take note. Uh, Neto came back. Gobert came back. Hood, I don't know what's wrong with Hood. He doesn't want to play, I guess. But a six-game winning streak, that's insane. Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. Looking good, 41, man. Dropping 41 points, tying franchise records. 
He was the second person. That was a franchise do. record, 41? Yeah, yeah. For a rookie tied, or a player? He tied. I think for a player. I'm pretty sure for a nah, player. Don't call me on that. No, Carl Malone had, had to Maybe it's a rookie. But the last person to score 41 in the rookie season in the NBA was Blake Griffin, I think. I think that was yeah. the probably the night that he teabagged Timothy Moskov twice. Yeah, it wasn't probably. that night. But, but um, yeah, <laughs> heartbreaking OKC. Um, we should have won that game. Should have the, pro the game. problem was we left uh, Rubio in for too long. He just needs to sit the.